everybody. I'm Vicki. I'm Lynn. And I'm Bree. And we are telling on ourselves. Yeah, baby. How are we doing, girls? Well, we're in a uh, year 937 of um, quarantine, and it's just getting worse instead of better. Holidays are going to be interesting. So I'm, I'm feeling a little bit weary about it. It's just this week, it feels like I had this realization. And I think, honestly, talk about being influenced by outside influences. I've been listening to more podcasts this week at work. Usually I just listen to books and everybody's like, I miss my people. I miss that and this and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I miss my people. And I just totally got on that train because I've kind of just been really being in the day, being in the moment, taking care of business and trying to contact or be connect with people whenever I can. And this week it hit me. I was feeling very uh, like pity party. It's like, I just want to go to a restaurant with a bunch of friends and laugh and have good food. And I can't. No. Yeah, I could totally agree with that, Lynn. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Especially around the holidays. And, you know, we usually have some sort of like holiday party with all us girls and it just sucks. Yeah, no well, tried birthday or holiday party this year. Well, I think that um, that brings up a good point. And, you know, with the group, the Awkward and Awesome group on Facebook, I'm doing this Monday night thing where we're just doing like no teaching. It is seriously just Mad Libs. And then we do something fun and then we do something we're grateful. But it's just like coffee talk, you know, I mean, nothing, we just hang out. And, um, and I think that I guess what my, um, my thing is about this is we have to reach out to people. You know, we have to make it happen because everybody is going through this. And that's why I've been calling you girls more. That's why I've been picking up the phone a lot more because I know that I need it and you need it and I'm checking up on people and I'm hoping that they're going to do the same for me, you know, because when I'm in a place where I get depressed, you guys know what happens. It's like it's radio silence. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to talk. I don't want to look. I don't want to do anything. And, um, and I know that a lot of people that have never experienced depression or this kind of feeling are really struggling right now. And so if you, you know, call a buddy, I think once a day, call a buddy for yourself and for them. Reach out. Reach Absolutely. out and don't touch somebody's <laughs> hand. Just pick up the reach phone. Reach out and touch faith. <laughs> reach out, touch faith. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> woo, woo. Well, Bree has no, a wrong. Because she's yes, just she does. Oh my gosh, you guys are so funny <laughs> and weird, and I love it. And I miss I miss the crazy of being together. And oh man, um, so yeah, I have first thought wrong this week. I it kind of has to relate to our topic too. So it kind of ties in very nicely. You know, this week I got some bad news, some health news about my dog. And, uh, of course the first thing I wanted to do was like over research and jump into the future and plan for the worst, uh, question everything that the veterinarian had told me, not trust, get a second opinion, uh, question my higher power, curse my higher power. <laughs> and it's so funny, you know, being in this program, the 
second thought right has always been, okay, I need to trust my higher power or that's not turning it over, Brie. Like I'm having this inner dialogue with myself. So I do feel like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde right now because, you know, the part of me that, because I, I have been a little bit complacent in my sobriety and not, you know, not, uh, I, I mean, I've been showing up, but I've been probably doing like minimum between like zero and five instead of between like five and 10. If there was like a scale, I feel like I float more around the four and the five, um, like right in the middle. So I have these tools. I haven't had to whip them out in a while. And I I haven't necessarily been like practicing with these tools super often. And, you know, thank God, you know, that's a gift that I haven't, because, okay, Vicki, right? Like, we all know you've had to be like the master of the tools <laughs> over these last two years. And you've been going through a lot with such grace. Um, and so I really been thinking about you when I, so when we, when I got the news, I thought to myself, well, shit, I haven't had to do something tough that's really challenged me in my sobriety for a while. And I'm grateful for that, but I don't know. I also feel kind of unprepared or not as prepared as I could be because of said complacency. So my first thought wrong, you know, doubting myself, doubting other people, doubting God, my higher power first and foremost, and then jumping to conclusions, you know, jumping to, oh, this is like a death sentence or, you know, living in the past too. I I keep, like I told the girls, I'm, been going over all of the things that I've done or decisions I've made about uh, my girl, my little dog, Busy, in the last year that could have hurt her. Like maybe I shouldn't have fed her that or done this or give, like <laughs> given her that bath or whatever. I mean, it's just insane how my mind wants to pinpoint exactly what went wrong and maybe that's going to give me the answer on how to fix it. And I have to, you know, I have to just take the action, which I did. You know, I saw, I went to the vet and then I sought a second opinion. I got more answers. I'm going to get more answers. I've reached out to people I know in the medicine, the pet medicine world who can help me and guide me and make suggestions. Like I'm doing what I can. And now finally within the last two days, I've actually been turning it over and I like slowly, you know, I have to keep turning it over. It's not just a one and done. It's constantly when I think of it or when I start to go into the, the negative danger zone, I'm like, well, that's not trusting my higher powers. So I'm, I'm not going to go down that path. <laughs> and so that's where I'm kind of at today. So that was, you know, thank God for this program. Cause I do see the other side of the coin of like, okay, you can't, you can't go there. You can't just go dive into thinking the worst. Um, that's not going to do anything. It's not going to get me anywhere. God grant me the serenity to accept what I can't change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference or the wisdom to find answers and apply them when possible and when not possible, like let it go. So yeah, complacency, not necessarily a bad thing all the time, <laughs> but if you aren't complacent and you're doing the work, it's a lot easier when, you know, trouble bubbles up, trouble bubble, trouble <laughs> <laughs> to, uh, to navigate it, you know? 
So thank you for sharing, Bree, really. Um, and we love Busy too. And, and uh, we're rooting for her, that little cutie pie, that little swimming, yeah. swimming around to the left, to the left, to the left, to the left, yeah. to the left. She's a tough, <laughs> um, she's a tough, uh, tough dog. So she's a tough old lady. I, I have to have more faith in her too, right? Like, you guys know Busy. She's sassy and fierce, so... Well, I have a million things to say. So can you do definition corner? Yeah, absolutely. So today our topic is complacency, which uh, Brie alluded to. And I, for one, was surprised, shocked, um, put in my place by the definition because I had an idea of what complacency was. And it was not according to the the smarter people on the web that told me I was wrong. So... (laughs) The definition of complacency means a feeling of contentment or self-satisfaction often combined. This is, I added this, often combined with a lack of awareness of pending trouble. So I think I always thought complacency was just, just kind of uh, being at set point. You're not too much. You're not too little. You're just kind of floating along, going down the stream. You're not hitting any big rapids. You're not bumping into any rocks. You're just kind of, you're that leaf floating down the stream. And that's what I had always kind of in my mind told myself complacency was. Same. 110% the same. And I just like, uh, it's funny. I feel, I almost feel like I manifested this in, in a way. And I'm so, that's why I'm kicking myself because as things like watching Vicky, I'm like, my time's coming. I'm like, it can't be good forever, Brie. And I feel like I've kind of manifested this because I was starting to think, well, shit, you know, something's gonna happen soon. And I was really afraid. I'll be honest. And I probably shouldn't even speak this into the universe, but I thought it was going to happen with my parents. Maybe like I was really thinking like, and so I've been living in fear. So I have probably also created this to a certain extent. Like I truly believe that. So anyways, Vic, I know you have so much to say on this. Oh my God. So I, I think that like the definition is the perfect definition for what alcoholism is to me in my life. And, and the thing that I have to remember and that I'm grateful that I remember is that I know that my disease will bring me to the depths, right? Because that is just simply where I go. I go to Vicky sucks, I want to die. And I know that's morbid, but that is where my disease takes me. It takes me there in recovery if I don't do the work. And I think... One thing that has been ingrained in me since the beginning is to do some work every single day. And I think I have done work every single day. I mean, I can honestly say that since I walked in the door, I have done something at least once a day for my recovery, if not more. And I don't know why. I never did that with anything else in my life. But for some reason, I get the gravity of that it's that I'm not clueless that my disease can kill me. And and I think that's why when we first come into these programs and whether it's Alcoholics Anonymous or whether it's another program, it's that daily habit that makes you do it consistently. And I always I remember telling you this when I was sponsoring you way back when, Brie, but it's that building of those muscles, right, of how to pick up the phone. One of the things that we talk about in, in our program is that we recommend you pick up the phone and you just talk to someone when you feel like 
drinking or when you don't feel like drinking at the beginning, right? Because what's going to happen is inevitably you are going to think about drinking or using or whatever your thing is, right? It's going to happen. And if you are used to talking to people, then you have that, that habit built. But I think that that's what's so scary about long-term sobriety or lasting sobriety is it is so easy to slip into this and forget that this disease, you know, they say in every meeting all the time that our disease is doing push-ups in the parking lot waiting for us to, to forget and be alone. And, and I think that, um, yeah, that's just what came to mind. Thank you, Vicki. Um, and while you were talking and I was furiously scribbling notes, it reminded me of where I was last spring. So in my recovery, um, I was all gangbusters at the beginning. And then I moved to Illinois, didn't have any connections, started to slip a little bit, recognized it immediately, got a sponsor. Then I met all of you guys at a retreat, like within three months of being here. So that really like just put my recovery trajectory on rocket fuel. And I was, you know, everything was fantastic. And then last spring, um, quarantine started being disconnected, isolating. Cause that's always the first thing that happens with me is I self isolating, um, just doing my thing. And, um, I was not doing the work, Vicki. I wasn't doing it every day. And I had a million and one good excuses. Why not? Not calling my sponsor, not reading the big book, you know? And I remember even with my sponsee, I personally was feeling like such a hypocrite because I was asking her to do things I wasn't doing. So I was getting that self-flagellation from that, you know, beating myself up about that. And the interesting thing this time, though, that is different with me because of the muscles that I have worked, they were a little out of shape, but they were still working, was that even in the midst of all that, I knew I wasn't being honest with myself. There was that bit of mindfulness saying, you can't continue like this. It's going to get bad if you don't do something. And I finally did something. I, I took the step. I reached out, um, got a new sponsor, got hardcore about working on the program. And now I can say that daily I do work. And it maybe that's what it took for me to kind of, you know, whip me back into shape. Thank God I didn't have to go through a relapse. If I had, though, I, it would have been another growing opportunity and I would be thankful for it as scary and all the things that it could have been. But I did have a emotional sobriety relapse, a big one. And um, I'm learning from it and I'm trying to remind myself of that. They always say on your anniversary to think about the day before, you know, your last day of drinking, think about that. And that'll put you right back in gratitude of where you are in your life. And I think about this past spring, that's been a really good, like that um, reminder for me to, uh, to, to remind myself of how easy it is to slip into complacency. And I never understood what that meant before. And now I get it. Well, cause feel, things feel good for a while. And you, so you don't think that your disease is out, out there, but it is. And, and it's progressing in us, not just, you know, this is what this one speaker said that just kind of like blew my mind. He said, not only is the disease of alcoholism progressing when we're not drinking inside, you know, our, our bodies, like if we drink, we'll, we'll go back to right where we were, but it's that mental obsession in our mind. If we don't, it really, this just really reminds me of, we have a daily reprieve contingent on our spiritual maintenance and that I don't know why. I, I mean, even when I didn't believe in a higher power, I still prayed. 
I still listened to you guys because I didn't want to, I got to a point where I finally didn't want to die and there was hope in my life that I could get better. And, and I think that's the, that's the key is just daily knowing that I have to, it's like, I'm in, I have depression, right? Every day I have to take my medication. Every single day I take my medication and I have to look at it the same way. Like my medicine is, you know, page 84, 85, 86, you know, it's page 80 and it gives me a great outline of what I'm supposed to do. And when I read that, my day goes so much better. When I don't read that, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Um, I love what you said, Lynn, about complacency and excuses. Like, I don't know if you even realized how you kind of threw that out there about how so how they're, you know, tied together so tightly, almost like they're in a toxic relationship with each other. It's like complacency feeds off the excuses and the excuses feeds off the complacency. And it's just like this awesome toxic relationship for your sobriety. Um, Cause I like, I'm having this like, you know, soap opera drama uh, imagery going on in my head of the complacency and the excuses uh, and like how the excuses million one reasons why we don't want to do the daily habits. And I also think, um, Lynn, you said you have to be honest with yourself. And isn't that just like such a comment, like good for you for being able to do that in the spring, um, and make the change. Cause you can be honest with yourself and aware of something and then not actually take any action. So like, that's a big victory, I think, because there's a lot of times we have the awareness and we still do nothing. That's for sure. I mean, I think I could relate to that last year when I relapsed. Um, so yeah, I just like what both of you had to say about that. You know, that's very eye opening to me. And, uh, for complacency as well, I think something that gets me into complacency is finding, uh, substitutes for my addiction, my alcohol and uh, drug addiction. So like TV. And so it's not even about, it's, it's, it's almost like it tricks my brain. It's like you're using again because it numbs and it's a distraction. And so that also plays into my complacency is having appropriate substitutes. And I know for some people that substitute is like staying busy or spending money or, um, sex or work, workaholism, you know, anything that can make me not focus on my daily habits of needing to be in recovery. Um, and it doesn't make me, it doesn't push me back into the depths. Like what you talked about, Vicki, the depths, we don't get to the depths because we have this like weird substitute that's still not really making us feel great, but it doesn't make us feel awful either. It's numbing us. Um, I think that's a big contributor to my complacency. It's like, okay, I'll just find like appropriate like substitutions for my addiction in the meantime, instead of <laughs> the program, let me just use a uh, 90 day fiance or uh, the bachelorette or, <laughs> you know, Dexter, <laughs> like whatever is on TV. The thing that I think about too, with complacency and um, our, our self-satisfaction, that's ego. So that's when ego, again, when you're not doing the daily work, you're not, you're not um, reminding yourself of how fragile and vulnerable you are. 
egos going, oh, wait, I see a crack. I see a crack in that structure and the foundation. I can wiggle right in here and tell them, we're good. We don't need anything else. And then, you know, with ego, self-will. So you start, Gus isn't driving the bus anymore. You're driving the bus and you know what happens. You do yeah. the big 360 off the bridge. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you don't have the license for that bus. You don't know how to drive. You can't reach it's the pedals. No I can't reach no. the pedal. <laughs> You can't reach the puddles. <laughs> um, the, the wheel is way too big for me. Gus <laughs> is huge and I don't measure up. You know, it's yeah. funny though, because when you were talking at, in your first thought wrong, um, you know, I, I, I hear that thing like, oh, everything happens for a reason. I don't think bad things happen for a reason. But what I think happens is when bad things happen, we have a choice. We can either seek um, seek help, seek connection with humans, higher power, whatever, or we can be alone and sad and go negative. Like we have a choice, right? And I think that... Um, I think that sometimes our, like, I heard a speaker say, God finds us. You don't have to go looking for God. God will find you. You cannot look. As long as you're willing, God will find you. And I feel like that's what's been happening in my life around all this stuff. And when I hear you say, oh, Vicki, you've had so much trouble in these last two years, you know, it cracks me up. I'm just like, but what's been happening no it cracks me up because what's been happening is my spiritual life has just expanded so much like I didn't know that I could be um this open like I thought I was a very open-minded person but I'm learning so much more and I'm learning to see things so so much like with just completely different eyes. And I mean, I think it's this worldwide primary purpose, just, just meeting all these people from around the world and usually hearing a speaker every night. It really has opened me up to different ways and like lack of judgment around the program where, you know, there's no one right way to do anything in this world. And this idea of God finding us, you know, it comes the way it's supposed to come for us in particular, but we have to choose it, right? It's like that good old third step thing. We have to choose it. We have to let God drive the bus. We have to let Gus drive the bus. At least I do. I have to let that. And, and it can either bring me closer or bring me farther. And I can, I lived and I lived away from, I mean, I didn't even believe in it. So I was in a totally different universe of this kind of stuff. And the fact that I even can think this way and can allow myself to expand is just a freaking miracle. And it's only because the people in my life that have been um, delivered by higher power that have helped me get there with grace. Always with grace. Uh, yeah. Um, I think the antidote to complacency is grace because grace is a given uh, a gift that's given a lot of times undeserving or unexpected. And we, oh my God. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that around to that, Vicki. That's, that's beautiful. Um, you know, with complacency, I see it in myself in so many avenues of my life, not just in my recovery program. And I can always tell when I'm headed to trouble 
is when I'm feeling that self-satisfaction. And that's when I know now to check myself. I didn't know that before because I didn't have the tools or the mindfulness or the self-awareness to know where that was headed. And I didn't even realize that's what I was doing. Now I have a, a better way to define it and to articulate it to my, my weird brain. But um, it's really interesting how, how uh, pervasive that can be in everything. Deep shit. <laughs> this is deep shit. <laughs> My head is, is like, holy cow. You know, know. And, and then the other thing I was thinking about, like, even though I was doing the work, there's also this thing that happens where I was doing all the work, but I still went to a place of darkness this summer. You know, when I went to that, like, um, I didn't relapse either, but I was going to meetings every day. I was doing the do every single day, but I still got to a place where my disease had me, right? Where my self will run riot, where my um, ego took over, took the wheel, and, and there was no Gus. There was no bus driver. It was just me, and I was like riding a bike that was broken or something. I don't know, but... Um, I was just going to remind everybody what Gus is because it's uh, Brie. I think you were the one that said this the first time. It blew my mind. And Gus is our guiding universal spirit. And I found that that is so exemplifies how I think of my higher power. It is a guiding universal spirit. It's bigger than I can imagine or define or um, explain to anybody. I just know it's inside me. It's outside me. It's all around me. And um, Gus, Gus is the shit when I let him drive. <laughs> and I love that because I, it does, it's so, okay. It's not wrong. That is guiding understanding. What universal, what spirit. universal spirit. Okay. Well, cause my acronym for it was great understanding spirit, but I love this guiding universal spirit. Oh, like yes. I, they're both amazing. <laughs> I love that that is, you know, like what you heard or like uh, that's what I heard yes. yeah that's funny <laughs> and it works and it works and it works so yeah yeah, yeah Gus is definitely my GPS in my life <laughs> he tells me all the good stops to make if we listen if we listen sometimes I don't mm -hmm. listen you know yeah sometimes you don't listen that's why things can like smack you over the head sometimes if you don't listen the first time it comes around and gets you again, and oh, gets man. again. Oh, um man. over and over but Vicky like you what you were saying though you're like I think the attraction of just what you've been going through like for people who are in complacency like it's kind of like man like look at her grow and like she gets to like have this spirituality on a different level right now. And like, that's how I saw it for you. It was like, like, yeah, there was like something really attractive about the fact that you were getting to grow. And I was like, I'm just over here. <laughs> I'm just over here being complacent, you know? So it's sometimes really, uh, and I feel like envious sometimes of people who are like going through stuff and growing because it's not always, I mean, it doesn't feel awesome to also be complacent all the time, you know? Well, and, I think, and that's the idea of why we work with other people, Brie. That's why working with people that are new or working with people is, that is why that part is so important because we remember it. We don't have to go through the bad times ourselves. We can see it happening live in Technicolor um, when we're working with someone and helping them through. And that's why going to meetings is so important 
to me so I can see the new person come in and, and just be like, oh, God, yeah, I was like this. Yeah, that's when you feel that pain at your cellular level of someone else because you know it. You've been there. You felt it. You've lived it. You've breathed it. Um, and you know what I was thinking, too, Bree, is that you don't have to necessarily have those really big, painful AFCOs, the fucking growth opportunities to still be growing. It's, you know, you can, you can choose every day to push and challenge yourself with, with, yeah. And that's, I think what I've been doing probably, well, at least the last four months. And when I, when I'm reflecting on my life, it's like, it's been pretty smooth. It's been pretty fucking awesome considering all circumstances of where we are in the world. Um, But I, but I've been pushing myself and I've, I've really dug into some things that were so painful uh, that I didn't want to do. And actually, I put a meme on our um, Instagram this week that said, if we told people what self-growth was really about, nobody would do it because it's this uncomfortable feeling that makes you feel like you're dying. And I've had, I've had some of those um, the last few months because um, I know that I need to put in that work and I need to, to figure out my whys and whos and wheres. Great point. I like that. Um, choosing every day to push yourself or challenge yourself. It's kind of like when your parents would say you can't go wherever until you clean your room. It's like <laughs> if we did that for ourselves, you know, like start the day. You can't you can't do this until you, you know, pray or journal or read a meditation or something like not doesn't have to be that serious. But, you know, yeah. you can't go hang out with your friends until you clean your room. <laughs> Some discipline. Clean your fucking room. Some discipline. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a couple of those upstairs. <laughs> man, oh man. You know, it's just it's just amazing to me how, you know, I, I always think about and kind of what you were talking about was like being on the um surfboard for a while when you're on the surfboard and, and my analogy with the surfboard is when things are going well in recovery, but you know that you're gonna hit the sand, but you don't know when. Right. Um, and it's, it's like, um, I have to be careful not to call it complacency and beat myself up if it's not complacency, but I have to be aware if it is complacency, right? Like that's the tricky part because sometimes what I found in recovery is that I don't know if I'm just bored or I don't know how to be content or I don't know how to be in serenity. Like there's, for me, something that I really have to kind of talk to somebody else and check, check, check my motives and, you know, do that checklist with, that's why it's a we program because we can't figure it out on our own. It's like I have blinders on when I'm just doing Vicky. Right. I love Vicky that you just said, and that'll be a golden nugget, but don't know how to be content because I'm always so suspicious of when I'm content or serene. It's like, what am I not doing right? Because I shouldn't feel like this. So obviously I'm not doing something right. That's what I was saying, Lynn. That's what, <laughs> like, that's what I was saying. I think I manifested this shit because I'm like, things are going yeah. too well. Think about it. When we were out there, things there was always drama. So shoes were always dropping, you know? Shoes were dropping, dressers were dropping, clothes were dropping. I mean, everything was dropping. <laughs> Acid was dropping. No. <laughs> I had to. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Beer bottles Drop it were like dropping. A Drop it like it's hot. <laughs> Drop it like it's a hot mess. Drop it like it's hot mess. Oh my gosh, you guys, I had a hot mess. 
Can I tell you guys, it's totally not about this subject. The other night, I don't know why, but I wanted to make popcorn. And my dad makes the best popcorn on the stove. And so I made it. And, you know, um, I have this old school pot from Grammy Pat. And it's not um, stick, you know, uh, what, resistant? What? Yeah, whatever. Nonstick. Yeah, it's not nonstick. And I just like the nonstick one, I can wait till it pops and then then start like taking care of it. But this one, I was supposed to be moving it like my dad always does, moving it back and forth, moving it back and forth. So I noticed that it was burning. So I, I salvaged it and I was going like this and I was reaching up into the cabinet while I'm shaking this, okay? And and I guess dropping is the is the theme here. So all of a sudden I go to reach something in the cabinet and I have a blue agave from Aldi and I have um, tinfoil on it because I lost the lid. Well, blue agave spilled everywhere while I'm trying not to have the popcorn spill. So that's all happening. And I have to go chair a meeting in about 10 minutes. So I'm trying to melt the butter. I've got everything everywhere. I go upstairs and I'm finally like, there. Was, I salvaged some of the popcorn, thank God. Because you know, when you have a taste for popcorn, you need your freaking popcorn. So I go upstairs and I'm eating my popcorn. And I love half-eaten kernels. Like those are my favorite, the little crunch and they're open a little bit. So I was eating and I was cheering and guess what happened? You, I cracked a tooth. I know. It's, oh God, it sucks. Why? So that was just a like, what happened? <laughs> blue And blue agave is still everywhere. I thought I cleaned it up today. I was grabbing something from the coffee pot. I kept touching sticky shit. I'm like, I'm throwing that blue agave away. But it was expensive, so I don't want to throw it out. But I don't have a lid. What the what? Oh, darn. I have so, <laughs> so many gems in that story. <laughs> you can just picture it. I saw you just laughing your butt off. I feel oh like you lost the lid so that when the blue agave spilled, it would make you think maybe, maybe this is a sign I shouldn't eat the popcorn and it would have saved me. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I <laughs> too. Well, and you know, Vicki, every time you drop something, you do have like a volcanic explosion. You I know, know. Since you told us that story of the milkshake volcano, <laughs> every time you drop something, <laughs> volcanic <laughs> eruption. I just do everything very large, you know. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't have a a, a, sh- a short button. So you know, no, you got you got to eleven. Yeah, yeah, yep. So that. that's that's my story. But should we do golden nuggets? Yes, please. Um, my golden nuggets are is the um, antidote that grace is the antidote to complacency. You know, we have to give ourselves grace and be okay with that we might be in complacency, that it happens, it's life. It's, um, it's just giving grace to ourselves. And, but also my golden nugget is that definition, that I'm clueless of danger if I'm not paying attention to the fact that I still have this disease. So those are mine. Awesome. Do you want me to go, Brie? Sure.
Um, Vicki, you said at the top of the top of the show, do some work every day. And by God, isn't that the truth? And understanding the gravity of our disease that when you're doing the work every day, you are remembering the gravity of your disease. And then Brie, when you talk about the toxic relationship, that to me is so golden. The toxic relationship of excuses and complacency. And you're right. They're like over here going noodling away. And I'm like, oh my God, they're going to destroy my life. (laughs) Oh my God. It's it's what's behind you. Look, run. It's behind you. And we're like a scary movie, right? We're clueless to danger behind us. Um, Like great great topic for today. My golden nugget was also I the definition itself, because obviously I could so relate to that last year with my relapse, you know, un- like the lack of awareness of impending uh, trouble. And I feel like there's a, you know, like the army that is resting and then the, well, their enemy is like preparing and they're going to do a, what do you call those? Is it like a pounce? <laughs> no, it's like where you do like a sneak attack almost. What is it? Oh, um, a sabotage is that what it is or i don't know but a sneak yeah, so attack gotta, like a mutiny <laughs> it's a mutiny no like when one side is against the other you have like um rival forces and you know mm-hmm. maybe one is sleeping and their their watch person fell asleep and so like the enemy is encroaching so you, anyways i digress let's put <laughs> that out I don't think so. Um, um, but, but that's hard now. The definition and basically, you know, choosing every day to push and challenge myself, you know, dig through things that you might necessarily not, might necessarily not want to um, to dig to dig through, but but it's going to help you. And that kind of goes back to like the daily habits. And I just need to remember to make that a priority. So. And it doesn't have to be big, right? It doesn't have to be a lot of work. It could simply be just a very five-minute thing for your recovery. That's where the grace comes in. That's Mm -hmm. where the grace comes in. Be okay with it being little. You know, sometimes I think we want to, like, we're alcoholics, and we're like, oh, I got to go bigger, I got to go home. Right, and it's got to be perfect. And if I'm not meditating for an hour, is it really even meditating? (laughs) Like, yes. (laughs) You can sit quiet for five minutes and three minutes and have that be enough it is enough I mean I multitask sometimes I do it when I'm in the shower sometimes I do it when I'm driving sometimes I do it it's it's like I just have if it's top of mind if I know that I have to put something in then I'm 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 in a much better place to not relapse yeah doesn't mean I won't but you know what I'm saying well and the relapse has so many different forms it's not just about picking up a drink or a drug. There's so many relapses that we can go through that, that threaten our emotional sobriety and our, our serenity and contentment. Great point. Mm. Here, here. Are we yeah, ready? Yeah. Um, oh. I want to oh, I, I I talk about something that's kind of fun that I've been doing, and it's this Etsy store, and it's called Flowing to Grow. And um, I'm selling all these really cool, um, like, jewelry and and bookmarks and I got the owl bookmarks everybody loves owl bookmarks so I'll put a link in the show notes to my Etsy store if anyone wants to go and get gifts for people for Christmas they're really really cool they're from my um, paintings that I've been doing obsessively alcoholically (laughs) Um, I have the origin story for the other shoe drops do you want to hear it oh yeah 
Um, so it goes back to when people were in the morgue and they were preparing them for, you know, to do whatever. And they, they'd take a shoe off and sometimes the other shoe would drop and they knew if the other shoe dropped, then they were, they were on the slab. So it's kind of that thing. That's what do you mean they crazy. were on the slab? In the morgue. When you're in the, you know, they had the refrigerated tables back then before there was a lot of refrigeration they would have like these marble tables that they put them on that's why it's called the slab in the morgue you put them on the slab you didn't know that no, no but i'm now i'm trying my brain is trying to compute it so off. you have your person that you wheel in from wherever the dead and they're preparing them for the next stage of whatever it's going to happen with their remains and a shoe will fall off and they said they're waiting for the other shoe to drop when they're so on the flat. That means that they're warm enough or cold enough to be cold enough. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. Cold enough. Okay. Yeah. And then the shoe drops. They're stiff yeah. enough. They're stiff and the foot just the foot does the foot it's, fall off or is it just the shoe? <laughs> it's before rigor sets in. <laughs> oh man, I love that. Thanks, Glenn. I love knowing those sure. stories of those expressions. <laughs> yeah. I really do. <laughs> Um, My imagination is ugly. <laughs> it's creepy. We're all creepy. Awesome. Well, I hope everybody has a really great week ahead. Do something for yourself and your sobriety this week. Every day. Give yourself possible. grace. Give yourself grace. Sharpen yeah. those weapons because guess what? You know, nobody wants to fuck with... If they know you're sharpening your weapons... They don't want to, or they know you have guns in the house. They don't want to try to rob you. So that's how you can keep your disease away. Sharpen your tools now and it won't <laughs> fuck with you. How about that? <laughs> oh my God. You know, signs where it's like we own guns and we're, you know, I'm down to my last bullet so I can't waste it kind of thing. Or, you know, <laughs> have you ever seen? My brother has one of those. So I just thought, yeah, nobody wants to mess with you. If you're prepared and ready, it's kind of like... Yeah, I'm grinding my Louisville Slugger down to a point now. I'll keep it under my bed. <laughs> Sharp it up. Drive <laughs> out. Drive out. Thank you so much for listening to Telling on Ourselves. You can please rate, review, subscribe at Apple Podcasts or any of your podcast platforms. And don't forget to look for us on Facebook or Instagram at Telling on Ourselves. 